Are you ready for the latest Habs news, passionate debate, and in-depth analysis from hockey experts around the league? It's the most informative and interactive podcast about the Montreal Canadiens. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast, featured on allhabs.net, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection Podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen, and I'll be your host for the next hour, and this is episode 68 of the Canadians Connection Podcast, the Yannick Weber edition, the post-Snowmageddon edition. Uh, I'm pleased to be back here in the in the chair and uh, joined by, of course, Rick Stevens, the uh, editor-in-chief, the founder of Rocket Sports Media. And uh, Rick, how are you doing on this fine day? I'm doing great, thanks. And it's uh, always nice to get in a Yannick Weber uh, reference. Many yeah. people have, have <laughs> forgotten about him, and, and uh, but he's still uh, contributing there in Nashville. He's had some injury uh, issues, but uh, yeah. No, always one of my favorites, a former Kitchener Ranger and, and uh, uh, Carrie Price's brother-in-law. So yeah. you know, there's that connection. Uh, uh, but uh, the more so than the, than the Yannick Weber reference, I'm I'm really pleased to have you back. Um, uh, Chris G was was great last week, and we were glad Wonderful. to have Chris yeah. G back in the chair, back in the studio. But uh, um, you know, there was a lot of concern. Um, uh, right across uh, Canada, North America, for uh, the safety of the folks in Newfoundland, uh, that 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 tremendous blizzard, and and we're just uh, we're just glad that that everybody made it through okay. Yeah, and and thank you. And obviously, this was it was all much appreciated to be getting all that uh, that love sent our way to get through that uh, really just a, a wild period. It's it's just this morning the state of emergency was lifted in St. John's, so. Uh, it's it's been a really really crazy week, um, and the timeline of it all is really kind of blended together for me because it's been eight days where I've just been at my house, and the furthest that I've gone is down to the convenience store to get a couple of things. So I don't really have a, a great uh, uh, perception of all of that's happened in the last eight days because it's just been like one day has blended into the next day, but it has been craziness but uh yeah uh, our friend mike by the way uh mike uh, who went to the draft with us in vancouver was kind enough to send me a message on uh, on twitter and 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 ask if we were doing all right as did many others uh it was it was phenomenal uh the, the love that was that was shared in that moment and uh it, it was crazy though 60 to 70 centimeters thursday into that friday last week i was out at school on the thursday and at 11 30 there were parts of university that had said that we are not going to open for the next day. We're already announcing that we are closing for the next day. And that was when I knew that this was going to be something that I had never seen before. (laughs) It was just, it was crazy. It was so much, uh, so much shoveling last weekend was just filled with shoveling. And if the 60 to 70 centimeters weren't bad enough, two days later, 10 to 15 more, and it just, it felt like it was just going to be another, it was a week, it felt like it was going to be just a whole week of shoveling, but uh, thankfully it eased up a little bit and uh, we, we've been able to clean the streets up and get back to a little bit of, uh, of normalcy here. The, the, the 
the pictures and the video have been incredible. Yeah. <laughs> and it was it was the you know in total the seventy five eighty centimeters of snow, but also propelled yeah. by the 120, 135 kilometer an hour winds, making it a blizzard, yes. making the drifts, and the pictures of, you know, there's the the doorbell cam of the snow rising, the time lapse uh, arising and burying cars. There was the the lady that that forgot to roll up her window and her car filled with snow. There was the yeah the, the snow that came off the cliff and and avalanche down the hill and right through the yeah. window and filled the living room. All of these, and there, I don't know how many pictures of people opening their doors and yeah, <laughs> um, it just being snowpacked. Uh, Garage and, doors, and, even. Yeah, there's there's <laughs> there's you there. There's uh, there's Brent Rogers. There's Shaq. There's there's uh, there's all our friends from uh, the hockey community, from um, uh, the the St. John John's Ice Caps folks, the the Newfoundland Growlers folks. Um, and and we were just um, you know transfixed and and uh, for me now again I'm wa- you're in it I'm watching this from yeah. afar but for me um, and if people haven't seen it they should uh, go to the the CBC Twitter feed and look for Mark Critch's video Mark Critch yes. 22 minutes is just um, he talks certainly about about the the storm but more so about the way people came together and helped each other out. And it was, it's a beautiful heartwarming um, video and tribute to the people of Newfoundland that uh, you really should see. And, and people here in Newfoundland love, love Mark Critch. And to say that that is probably the best thing that Mark Critch has done. And this is the opinion of many Newfoundlanders, many people that I've spoken to, to say that that's is a massive, massive uh, thing to say because there's been a lot that he's done that Newfoundlanders have loved, but that one that hit it right on the head. So yes, absolutely seek that out. Rick is is 100% uh, on the mark when he says that it was very, very well done, and it tells the story of of what happens. And the only thing that I, I think in my life that that I remember that has been comparable to this was Hurricane Igor, which hit back in 2011. And that was that was devastating, just from the the perspective of, you know, that was a, that was a you know a, a hurricane. It was ridiculous, and and that was the only thing in terms of of damage that that I can remember. And this that, that like completely destroyed roads out in central Newfoundland. It was it was brutal, and that's the only thing that I can think of that was that has been like this. There was there's been winters like back in 2001 that were pretty bad, but nothing in the last couple of years, you know, and the last two winters in particular have been pretty mild. So it felt like we were kind of due for something like this, but uh, yeah, you were absolutely right though. Mark Rich put it perfectly in times like this, Newfoundlanders do special things. They, they help out each other. They do whatever they can. And, and that's certainly been evident over the last eight days, but uh, it's, it's been, it's been quite uh, quite a, uh, a hectic eight days. <laughs> Well, um, we're happy that you're back. Uh, we're happy that uh, and yeah. that you're okay, your family's okay, and and that all of our friends and and uh, um, are doing are, are doing pretty well. Um, yeah. The, the uh, I, I keep I, I keep getting sent photos uh, from our Newfoundland <laughs> friends, and and they just get crazier and crazier. The the yeah. the the moose that lost his way and it ended up on the roof of a house. Uh, was yeah. was one of my favorites, but um, <laughs> <laughs> at least uh, at least 
everybody came through okay and and uh and now is a chance to to look back and smile and um and uh but but it you know it was it was pretty scary when it was happening at least from afar it was yeah and and you know being being involved in it now we're we're pretty lucky where we are uh we didn't have like our house is pretty secure it's pretty it's back from the road it's not very close to the road so it's a little bit there's a little bit of security there but it's yeah as it was happening it was it was crazy and and obviously we thought of our friends and you know that live in the downtown area close to the downtown area in St. John's that was a little bit more of a it, you could see that it definitely piled up there and uh, and all their friends uh, around, uh, it, you know, it's it was it was really crazy. But uh, we're glad that we've gotten through the 60 to 70 centimeters, and uh, hopefully we can go the rest of the winter without having to face another <laughs> onslaught like that. <laughs> but I would tell you though, the one thing that would have made this week go by a little bit better, because like I said, the days have been going and blending in together. It would have been the Montreal Canadiens not being on their bye week for this week because having some Habs games to watch in the night, in the evenings, would have made it would have had something to look forward to. But regardless, they did play one game this week, and it was the Saturday last last Saturday night when I w- I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to watch the game because I didn't know if we were going to lose power or whatnot. Uh, but we didn't, and we ended up being able to watch that full game that uh, ended up going to a shootout. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens won that one five to four. This is the only game that we have to talk about this week, as I said, with the bye week. Um, but uh, yeah, Carey Price made a save on Riley Smith to close that one out after the Canadiens uh, gave up two goals in the dying moments of that third period. Uh, one to their old friend, uh, Max Pacioretty. Uh, and uh, it, it wasn't, uh, it was a bit of a head scratching move, a head scratching decision, if you will, for a, Ilya Kovalchuk to be on the ice for Shea Weber not to be on the ice. As someone later pointed out, Ben Sherrod as well, not on the ice. That would be the defensive pair that most would probably go to, but it was Scandella and Petrie who were on the ice and, and as well as Ilya Kovalchuk who uh, that's, that's just not his game. Is it? <laughs> well, and, and uh, it wasn't, it, it wasn't only curious that he was, uh, you know, on the ice, but, but he was actively involved in, in yeah. leading to those uh, two uh, Golden Knight goals and and uh, just kind of a, a reminder, I guess, of um, what he's good at and what he's not very good at. Um, <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was a bizarre decision. Um, I think that uh, had had the had Carey Price not made uh, those saves in the shootout, uh, and um, uh, you know, uh, Vegas went on to win. That those would be those decisions, those, those points in the game would be, uh, would have been churned over all week. Uh, but actually it was kind of a light mood because the Canadians finished well before the break. They won four or five and, 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 uh, you know, it was it, that one save, the one, the, the winning shot, all of that, um, uh, just changed the entire uh, focus of the week. And I mean, Price's reaction to that too, he wanted that win and uh, he probably deserved to get it in regulation uh, if the Montreal Canadiens used, uh, you know, someone else other than Ilya Kovalchuk to try to close that one out. Kovalchuk did redeem himself by scoring a little bit, by scoring in the shootout. But I mean, you, you have other guys there that are, you wouldn't have Ilya Kovalchuk kill a penalty. So why he's out there when it's six on five, I don't really know. 
But uh, yeah, that's that's the only game that we have to talk about. So even though it did happen last week, uh, we 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 thought we would uh, put that one in there because it was a little bit of a of a head scratching decision to have him on to begin with and then stick with him after the first goal as well. Um, yeah, it was a little bit strange. But you mentioned Carey Price, and one thing that we do have to talk about is the athletic player poll again, the annual uh, athletic player poll and. Carey Price, he was voted the he was voted first in Game Seven goalie, the goalie that most NHL players would want to have in their net, backstopping their team in a Game Seven. He got 33% of that vote, and in addition to that, his uh, right shot defenseman that plays right in front of him was voted the second best defensive defense defenseman in the league with 10% of the vote. Um, so, I mean, when you talk about the respect of, of having, you know, the respect that they these guys have from their peers, I mean, it is clearly evident. And, I mean, th- that got even a little bit more when you get into the uh, All-Star Weekend last night and, and everyone thinks that, well, listen, this is Shea Weber, the hardest shot competition. That's his competition to lose. So there's so much respect for these two guys, and it's very clear in this player poll. Well, it's it was interesting because last week we talked about um, you know there was a certain amount of momentum amongst um, uh, the Montreal media writing stories about maybe it's time to trade uh, Shea Weber, maybe it's time to trade Carey Price, and 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 the the noise was so much so that Mark Bergevin had to come out and say uh, no, um, uh, they will not be traded. Uh, I won't I won't even consider. Um, uh, trading them or or listening to offers, and uh, it seems that there's there's um, you know um, maybe uh, I, maybe led by the media there's there's a certain segment of fans that um, are upset with with Carey Price or Shea Weber or their contracts or and and they they certainly don't get as much respect uh, from the local fan base as they do from um, uh, the the hockey community in general and and um i've i've mentioned it before but but you look at the number of times that Carey price has been named first star and the for the most part it's coming from the uh vis- the um um uh, opponents media uh on road games um that and and it's not just that he plays better it's it's that you know there's many games that can uh, price has stood on his head and 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 been been ignored uh, by the uh, by the media for the star selection, and uh, so you look at at the 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 contingent that matters most, and that's the players. And what do they think? And it wasn't even close. It was not even close. A third of yeah. of them picked uh, by a wide margin, uh, Carey Price as the goalie that um, they'd want to start for their team in Game Seven of the Stanley Cup Final. Um, you know, in that story, uh, those comments, and and there was another story that came out about the way uh, Carey Price practices. Um, there was talk from, um, you know, the shooters in the league, the Stamkoses and and others, how he is absolutely the the best technical goaltender um, in in the NHL, and and how there's such so little room to left to. Uh, uh, shoot and even when you put the the puck exactly where you want it as a shooter, somehow he's he's able to make the save. So there's an intimidation factor um, as well. And you know all the 
all the talk about Shea Weber, about him being washed up and, and too old and, and all that sort. And, you know, some were even saying he's not even the, the best defenseman on the, on the Canadians, which of course we've seen uh, he is as, as, uh, as it's played out. Um, so um, for him to be selected by the players as the, as the best defensive defenseman, uh, Victor Hedman being number one, that, that makes absolute sense. Um, I'll just, uh, just a couple of, of non Habs related uh, items from that player's yeah. goal, which I, which I found interesting. Um, the rule that they'd like changed. Now the rule I like, and, and people are probably familiar with it, um, was the trapezoid rule. That certainly made yeah. the top five. Um, but uh, they're, the top rule for players is uh, some change to the puck over the glass um, penalty. Um, and the other, the other uh, two more items, because it's, it, there's the Bruins rivalry. I thought it was funny that uh, Brad Marchant was selected head and shoulders above everybody as the dirtiest player in the league. <laughs> uh, and the other one was, and this one was the most one-sided of any of the questions um, do you pay? Do you pay attention to advanced stats? The nose were at eighty-six uh, yeah. percent, which I thought was was amazing. And um, the comment with that, I think, I think um, should apply to to not only the players. One of the players said, "I don't know how to pay attention." Um, and paraphrasing, they said, "I'll leave it to the people who understand that stuff." Um, so I thought all of that was, um, I, I, I like that poll that they do. I like that it, uh, yeah. it comes from the players, um, and some, some really keen insights to kind of remind us, um, you know, who's valued and, and who's not by the players. Yeah. And I mean, for analytics too, is that you've, this has kind of become the age of analytics where we hear so much about it being made in, in these hockey decisions, but I mean, yeah, it's interesting to hear the players' side of that. Where do they pay attention to it? Is there going to be any, you know, cause for concern on their side of it? But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a really cool thing, and and obviously you said it very well. It's it gives some really great insights into uh, some of these players. But as I mentioned, so Shea Weber took part in the hardest shot competition last night at the uh, NHL All Star Skills Competition, and he won the hardest shot competition because he shoots the puck very hard. Uh, he got 106.5 was his hardest shot. And the other one was 105.9. Um, yeah. So yeah, he got 10% of the vote for the best defensive defenseman. Um, he's got the hardest shot in, yeah. One of the hardest shot, if not the hardest shot in the league. Um, I mean, that's, that's, that says all you need to know about Shea Weber. He is still bringing it at 34 years of age. Um, but one of the things that came out of All-Star, the, the skills competition, the All-Star games, like the three-on-three three games, they go tonight. But one of the interesting things that came out of last night was Scary Bettman's comments about player tracking and puck tracking. And we're going to be seeing a lot more of that in the coming months and in a couple of years. Uh, we are. Um, and, and just to add to your, your um, um, well-versed comments on, on Shea Weber, uh, two things that, that kind of uh, stood out to me. Second place in that went to John Carlson at 104, yeah. just behind Jay Weber's 106.5. And, and I know I'm, I'm beating a dead horse here, but um, I was against trading that pick for Alex Tangay 
and I'm going to renew my <laughs> remind people that the Canadians could have had John Carlson um, oh. instead of Alex Tangay, um, and and they would Still. have taken him, and he was available at their pick, but they traded to Calgary for Alex Tangay. That's just a pet peeve, and I'm going to mention it over and over and over <laughs> again until you're tired of it. The other part of it that was really cool, and and um, Shea Weber actually went and talked to Al McInnes and, and uh, um, asked to use his stick, <laughs> yeah. um, which was a wooden stick. But for Al McInnes, and Al McInnes, if you don't know, again, okay, I have a, a special um, appreciation for Al McInnes. Not that he ever you know, did anything for the Canadians, but he, was, uh, he played his junior career in, in Kitchener. Um, he's, he's 56 years old now, thereabouts. Yeah. He's, you know... Uh, former Calgary Flame, former St. Louis Blue. Um, he last played in the league uh, 17 years ago. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, check Something me on like that. that. But, yeah. um, but he got out there with a wooden stick and fired the puck 100.4 miles per hour. That's, yep. that's amazing. That is amazing. Harder um, than and, both and, of uh, Seth Jones' track shots, by the way. Yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, absolutely remarkable. Um, sorry, I'm getting off track. Oh, the other thing, <laughs> can we bring back the styrofoam targets for accuracy, please? Yeah, that would be the best case, yeah. Okay, sorry. You said puck tracking, and, and I don't want yeah. to get too far off. Uh, player and puck tracking is, is coming. We've yeah. known it's been coming for a, a long time. Uh, there's been some missteps there's uh, in fact w- the company that was in charge of it for a while was was turfed and and um the nhl brought in uh, a new company sports media technology smt uh to look after it um and puck tracking and player tracking is going to um have some some implementation uh to um a, a good majority of the buildings uh, by the time the playoffs start, it'll be used in the playoffs, but then for all teams, it will be in place to start next season. Yeah. What does it mean? Um, well, for players themselves, it means there's going to be a tag sewn into the, the, the sweaters. Um, the puck itself is going to have uh, six embedded sens- uh, sensors in it. Um, each puck is going to be uniquely numbered. Um, as well, which is, is something new. Um, yeah. But, um, and what's this going to allow us to do? It, it's, it's going to yield a lot more information. Um, there's going to be information about a player's speed, average speed, about possession time, about possession time for the team, possession time for the player, about passing stats. Um, and, and one thing, you know, w- we always hear about shot attempts and, and their relation to p- possession. And this is a problem with, with some of the analytics out there. Um, shot attempts don't measure possession. They infer possession. They infer that you must have possession in order to have a lot of shot attempts. But it's not actually it's not actually measuring. It's not, it's just a, a, a guesstimate, let's say. Yeah. Um, but now you, you should be able to measure um, um, possessions. Actually, it's not going to be, 
it's not going to be accurate in, in, until they make improvements. It's not going to be 100% accurate because right now the system that they're using can't distinguish when a puck is between two players. It's going to assign it to one, but it's it's not going to be it's going to be a guess on the system's part. Think it, it, this is going to evolve, but it's going to be a better estimate yeah. of possession. Um. So, I mean, they're they're doing this for us, right? Because because information is important and we yeah. report on it. No, they're not. What's the motivation for this? The motivation for this is sports betting because you'll be able to bet yeah. on all of these little things. That's the motivation. <laughs> and yeah. the information will be kind of kind of secondary extra. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um but I think just as we've talked about with the analytics, we're going to have to be a little careful cuz it's 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 going to take time. And the other part of this is, um, and, and I know that everybody's not a, you know, um, a math major stats genius, all of that kind of stuff. But I think, uh, what we've seen the use and the misuse of, of analytics is people trying to, um, have a shortcut. It's, 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 it's tough. It's really tough to really learn about hockey players and the game of hockey and, and make judgments. To do that, you have to be like a scout. You have to go to 100 bazillion games. You have to go to practices. You've got to be a rink rat. Um, yeah. And lots of people don't have the time to do that, don't want to do that. They just want to sit down, read a number, who's best, and then use that. And, of course, that's not how it works. Uh, the numbers are there, but it takes a certain amount of context to be able to um, interpret it and, and use it predictively and, and, and in an evaluation way. And, and I think, I think that's going to be the, as we've seen people just kind of throwing out numbers as if they know um, what they mean. And, and uh, this is, this is a, a, a big step forward for the NHL. It's going to be great, uh, but there's going to be, you know, <laughs> there's going to be some, misuse of it as well yeah and just back to your point you asked about al mckinnis he stopped playing in 2003 so it's about 17 years so thank you you were you were right on that but uh yeah it's it's going to be an interesting and i know that a lot of people were tweeting about the player tracking last night as they were all skating around the ice and it was the overlapping name plates that were you know popping up over their heads and it was like oh this doesn't look very good it's the early stages i would give it a little bit more time it didn't look good but it's you know it's 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 evolving, as you said. So, um, but we do have some more news. So we have two developments with respect to the Montreal Canadiens, uh, you know, affiliates. Um, they are hoping to get the ECHL franchise. We're going to touch on that in just a bit with more updates. But Mark Waitman, the vice president of the Laval Rocket, stepping away from the organization. Uh, Rick, you followed Laval Rocket a little bit more closer than I have in the last number of years. What what do you make of this? This is um, Mark Waitman may not be known to uh, many Canadians fans, um, but he is a real important figure. Um, he's a former uh, president of the Montreal Alouettes. He was there for yeah. years and um, then uh, for the last couple of years has been vice president of development and operations um, uh, for, for the Laval Rocket and Place Bell. Um, so there's a lot that comes under, um, his response le- level of responsibility. Um, 
he submitted his res- resignation and, and um, he'll be with the, uh, the club until the Feb- uh, 7th of February, I believe. Um, now, we, we had a chance to get to know uh, Mark Whiteman uh, a fair bit. Uh, that's Amy Johnson and myself at, at the uh, All-Star game uh, last season, the AHL All-Star game. Mark was there. Um, and, he, you know, he's, he's done a, a, a lot of significant things. One of the things that, that um, I, I, you know, it, it, something that, that as we go around the league, uh, we see how we see game operations, we see um, how, how the facilities run and, and we've had a chance to talk to um, the Canadians um, management, senior management uh, over the years and have said, Hey, you might want to look at this. Hey, you might want to look at this. Hey, you might want to look at this. And one of the things that we noticed um, was uh, with the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and it was their um, school program. I, I have, a, as most know, a, a, my career has been in um, uh, academic administration, and, and so I always have kind of an eye out uh, for that. And, and we talked to them about this program that the Phantoms had set up to go in uh, to schools, uh, their program is is uh, on bullying prevention um, and and um, and on literacy and and um, and so Mark Waitman, uh, as it filtered down, I guess uh, Mark Waitman was uh, um, made aware of this program and and took a look at it and has 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 developed a program for um, the Rocket and where the players go out and uh, read books to. Um, primary school age uh, kids and uh, it puts them in connection. I mean, you know, uh, in Montreal, uh, there's, there's a lot of name recognition when it comes to the Montreal Canadians, not so much uh, when it comes to the Laval Rocket. So it helped the team build some name recognition and connections with their players, but it also promoted that it was cool to, to read books um, great program um, that um, Mark Waitman uh, spearheaded and, and uh, we're kind of proud of, of um, you know, our influence in that. And, and uh, he did a great job there uh, in his, his uh, uh, resignation uh, that he posted. Um, he said that he has one more project um, that he's working on and that he'll have good news soon. And I think, um, there's no, there shouldn't be any secret that that he's been working on getting the uh, AHL All Star Game in um, Laval, and I expect that that's going to be announced uh, this year. It's in Ontario, California, the Ontario yeah. Rain, um, and that starts uh, tomorrow and and runs through Monday. I expect that during the um, uh, Dave Andrews press conference, his his state of the the um, the league uh, address that uh, he'll be announcing. Um, I would be really surprised if he didn't announce that the All Star Game next year will be in Laval, and I expect that that's what Mark was alluding to in his resignation notice. Uh, but um, Mark was always great with us, uh, a pleasure to talk to, uh, talented guy. He he says there'll be um, times when a later time when he'll talk about his next challenge and and we wish him well 
when Patrick Friolette, um, RDS reporter, uh, talked about hit, talked about this, he talked about there being waves of change to upper management in Group CH, the Canadians organization. So this might be the first uh, of something to come. Uh, we'll see. Um, yeah. But that's his impression. And uh, uh, it's, so it's led to a lot of speculation. But I think there's going to be a lot more to report on on this file um, uh, in the, the weeks and months ahead. And, and one thing that the Montreal Canadiens would like to get taken care of is get an ECHL club. And we talked about this a number of weeks ago. You touched on it in the latest from the press box. Uh, Trois-Rivières, what's the latest in, in those developments uh, for the Montreal Canadiens as it pertains to getting an ECHL club? So I didn't encourage people to go to from the press box yeah. uh, podcast on Tuesday. We had an update there. Um, as we know, just a, a quick update uh, before, before Christmas, we heard that the mayor came down and uh, of uh, Trois-Rivières, uh, Jean Lamarche, said um, no to the Canadians' proposal. Um, uh, it's come out since then that uh, the reason they said no to that proposal is that the Canadians, the, the mayor and the city council's impression was that the Montreal Canadians did not support that proposal. And that proposal came from Dean McDonald and Glenn Stanford, who are um, owners and operators of the Newfoundland Growlers, yeah, the CHL franchise of of the Toronto Maple Leafs, um, and and apparently there was some um, internal dispute, and one vice president, France Margaret Boulanger, had had told um, the uh, the Trois Rivières group that they had nothing to do with with uh, those two gentlemen who were putting together the proposal, so another. Uh, letter came out um, in early uh, January uh, reaffirming that yes, indeed, uh, the Canadians were involved um, and supportive of the proposal and please reconsider it. Since then, we've learned that uh, a couple of things. One is that whatever happens, who's ever decided for this brand new and it is a brand new, beautiful rink uh, in uh, Trois-Rivières that is not quite finished. It'll be opened um, in in the spring or so, or, or maybe by June. Fifty million dollars. Um, uh, that that uh, whatever happens, it's too late for next year for an ECHL franchise. The the deadline for application uh, for expansion franchises was in December. Uh, so the Canadians or this group has missed that. So whatever we're talking about, there will not be, the Canadians will not have an ECHL franchise in Trois-Rivières next year. That's a, that's a key piece of information, I think. Yeah. The other part of it is that the council and the uh, mayor are leaning towards uh, the Patriots, which is the university team, their proposal, and it's headed by Cirque du Soleil CEO, um, and uh, the Cirque du Soleil CEO doesn't sound too excited about uh, sharing uh, <laughs> the facility. Uh, mainly, be and and I mean they only play I think 15 games, home games a year, something like that. Uh, however, they don't think that there's a market to support uh, two teams, and that that uh, their market would be drawn to to the ECHL. So they're not they're not big fans. Um, if it happens if they share a building, if, and that, that is um, 
you know, not this year, but the following year, uh, the mayor has said that further renovate, well, renovations to a brand new building are going to be uh, required. And that would be in the neighborhood of about $2 million. And, and it was insinuating that the Canadians would have to pick up the tab for that. Yeah. So, um, there's lots of moving parts here. It's a mess. <laughs> it's an absolute <laughs> mess. Uh, and, and again, um, you know, it's been three years without a, a full-time affiliate for the Montreal ECH, ECHL affiliate for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, they don't seem to have their act together as far as having one for next season uh, at this point, but uh, we'll keep on it. Uh, I got my eye on it. Uh, our AHL report team with Amy and Chris G., um, I've got their eyes on it. And so um, listen to from the press box and um, uh, for the details and we'll keep, try to keep you updated here as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's certainly something that the Montreal Canadians uh, will need to address and not have guys like Michael McNevin, just roaming North America, going to whatever <laughs> ECHL team uh, will take them. But uh, very quickly, we'll get to a Cole Caulfield update because last night, he picked up a hat trick in uh, Wisconsin's 6-4 win over Notre Dame. So uh, a really nice night for uh, Cole Caulfield. And I'd imagine there are a lot of eyes on Cole Caulfield for Montreal Canadiens fans. If things progress the way that they've been going with respect to the playoffs and maybe not looking so great for uh, the Montreal Canadiens this year, there are probably going to be a lot more eyes on Cole Caulfield. So good to see him get uh, a performance like that under his belt. And, uh, and yeah, so... Uh, uh, it's it's what did you make of Cole Caulfield's performance last night? Uh, great performance last night. Three goals yep. against Notre Dame. Um, that's Jake Evans' uh, former team. Yeah. Uh, one of those was a power play goal, um, which he's uh, uh, quite proficient at. Um, uh, six, I believe, six of of his sixteen goals um, uh, have come on on the power play. Um, and uh, you know. He, it's it's wonderful news and uh um uh, it was the uh, our friend Todd Maluski reported uh that it was the first hat trick for a Badgers freshman since Robbie Earl in 2004 Robbie Earl oh wow a <laughs> uh, least <Elise laughs> prospect uh, sixth round uh, pick uh, years ago um it's it's great uh but but um let's again as we try to do temper <laughs> expectations uh, he scored three goals last night. He's scoring goals. He's got uh, 16 so far. That puts him in the top 10 of goals. Points, not so much. He's uh, tied for 25th in terms of points in uh, the NCAA. Um, I think that this uh, the, the, it's starting to reveal itself that, yes, he's, he's fabulous at scoring goals, but his game is very one-dimensional right now. Saw that at the World Juniors, a bit of a disappointing yeah. performance. Um, he, 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 he needs, uh, to, to, uh, broaden his game, um, and, uh, probably, uh, one more year at the, um, uh, at the NCAA level, at the college level is, would, would help him with that. Um, he can score, uh, but even he, he himself said that, you know, his eyes were opened at, uh, the world juniors yeah. and he knows that he has, uh, he has other things to work on. All right. And with that said, we're going to take a quick break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. I mentioned the standings. We're going to look at the standings and potentially how that might impact the Canadians uh, standing as we enter the trade deadline period, which is only a month away. And uh, we're going to answer, uh, get to the answers to the question of the week, which is which Habs players will likely be moved before 
the NHL trade deadline. Stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas, sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. To that. And we're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast, episode 68. And we're going to talk about the Montreal Canadiens as they enter the trade deadline period, just about a month away. And the Montreal Canadiens currently sit um, not so great in the standings. Uh, They are 10 points back of the Florida Panthers for third place in the Atlantic division. You have Boston running away with uh, the Atlantic with 70 points. Tampa Bay has closed the gap a little bit with 62. And then you have Florida with 61. Then in the wild card, you have Columbus with 62, and boy, oh boy, John Tortorella has done quite a fine job with the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets, and then the Carolina Hurricanes uh, with 61 points occupying the second wildcard spot, with the Philadelphia Flyers right behind them with 60, and the Toronto Maple Leafs, who have uh, you know slipped up a little bit here uh, with 57 points. Montreal uh, has some ground to make up with just 51 points, 10 points back of both the third place in the Atlantic and the second wild card spot. So it is not looking great for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, and so just, I'm just no a mathematician, check. but yeah. Yeah. Just to, let's, let's do a bit of math uh, before we yeah. get into the rest of it. Let's, let's try this um, because, because I still see out that, well, there's still a chance. Um, yeah, there is. There is a yes. 4% chance right now estimated <laughs> uh, a 4% chance of making the playoffs. And that's after that's up a percent from last week, uh, uh, f- um, uh, two weeks ago, actually where they went four for five. Um, so it's tough to make up points. Um, the, 
the reality check is this. As you said, they're 10 points out of a, a, a playoff spot, either the, the last wild card spot or the, um, the third spot in the division. Um, but they're also just 10 points out of a 30 place, 30th place finish. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's either up or down. They're kind of right in there. And if, if they're going to uh, get into the playoffs, they've got a lot of teams to climb over. They're kind of at the same point that, that the Rangers are at about the same chances. They're, they're about the same chance as the, the Sabres. Um, it's projecting right now that, that they're going to finish with 86 points. And, and that's not, and that's not going to do it. So with 51 points at the 50 game mark, let's say they need 45, 46 points. Fair. Get them to yep. get them to 96 or so. Uh, that's yeah. The, in 32 games, they have to put together that number of points, 32 remaining mm-hmm. games. Um, that means about a 719 winning percentage. Oof. Which team has had a 719 winning percentage this season? I don't. Can the Canadians be that that team? Now you can uh, be hopeful yeah. um, that you know Duran's going to come back and change things, or Paul Byron's going to come back and change things, or um, Brendan Gallagher. Um, but I, I don't think this is a 719 winning percentage type of team, and and. No. Um, I think you know others mentioned St. Louis um, last last season, but compare St. Louis their blue line last year to the Canadians' blue line this year, and um, yeah. you know I, I don't <laughs> see it happening. And and besides, the St. Louis uh, uh, drive to the playoffs didn't start at the end of January; um, started sooner than that. Yeah. Um, so I. I think I think we have to be realistic here. Um, hope and pray and cheer and do all those things that you you need to do. Wear your lucky shirt, your lucky socks for the Canadians to make the playoffs. But realistically, um, yeah. it's unlikely to happen. Yeah, and so this kind of leads into the conversation about the trade deadline because if you're a Montreal Canadiens right now. You're 10 points back of a playoff spot, but you're also just 10 points up on the last place team in the league. So where do you go from here? What is what is the direction of this team for the rest of this season? And I think that this has led to the conversation, and we've seen a lot of it on Twitter, about what the Montreal Canadiens should do with the trade deadline. They should keep Kovalchuk. They should trade Kovalchuk. They should, what, what, why are people suggesting we should trade Tatar and Petrie? Well, okay, let's look at this from the standpoint of, okay, we're not going to make the playoffs this year. And if we bring back every guy that we have on this roster right now, like they did last season, remember at the end of last season, the first thing they did was sign Christian Folan and Mike Riley to extensions for some reason. So, okay, you do that again. What's the ceiling on this team? Because I think it's not much better than what we've seen in the first 50 games of this season it's not high it's not good so when you look at the trade deadline you've got one year expiring deals like cousins thompson and kovalchuk i think that those are guys that you should probably be looking to move and i even go as far to say you should probably try to trade tatar and petrie as well and we're going to get to the question of the week in, in the third segment which is which players do you think are going to be moved before the trade deadline and i say 
trade basically anybody that you can get anything for. And when it comes to Tomas Tatar and Jeff Petrie in particular, those are two guys that are both setting a really nice pace to either match in the case of Jeff Petrie or in the case of Tomas Tatar, set a new career high in points. So when you look at those two guys, it is really hard for me to say that I think that next season Tomas Tatar and Jeff Petrie are going to come back looking better than they do right now. I don't think that's going to be the case. I really don't because even in spite of the fact that both of them are on pace to match or set new career highs and points, there's been periods throughout this season where both of them have been really inconsistent and things work out for, you know, they look really good for a stretch for both of those guys. And then very quickly, it's in the opposite direction. And Jeff Petrie is making mistakes handling the puck. And Tomas Tatar is taking a bad penalty or not communicating with Charlie Lindgren behind the net or whatever it is. So I would get those guys traded as soon as you can to maximize their value before they do something that is going to hurt it. And I think that that might be the best case scenario for the Montreal Canadiens because of the fact that you can go into this offseason, you get whatever you can. I don't know what it's going to be. I'm not here to prognosticate about and get out a crystal ball and say what the Montreal Canadiens are going to get for Tomas Tatar and Jeff Petrie. But if it's a first round pick this year, next year, prospects, whatever it is, you can get whatever you want for those two guys, whatever is the best offer, get it as you, whenever you can. And then this off season, the Montreal Canadiens should be active in the trade market and free agency, because they're going to have a lot of money. Once you free up the, the, the cap space for Tomas Tatar and Jeff Petrie, you go out and you significantly improve this team for Carey Price and Shea Weber. Because as we talked about in the first segment, those are guys who their peers look at them as still being the best at what they do. And Carey Price and Shea Weber, they're 32 years old and 34 years old. Price 32, uh, Weber 34. You've backed yourself into a corner here. Jeff Petrie and Tomas Tatar, for it, I'm not saying that they're bad hockey players by any stretch of the imagination. They're good at what they do. But you need to start making some ri- taking some risks, as I talked about a couple weeks ago. This is the time. Carey Price is 32. Weber's 34. You get as much as you can. You either keep it or you flip it for something else. Because the Montreal Canadiens are in a position right now where they need to start taking some risks. And soon. Because those guys aren't getting any younger. Unfortunately, it looks like there's probably more years behind them as in terms of being professional hockey players than there are ahead of them. So... It's about that time that the Montreal Canadiens do something significant. And this offseason, if you free up the money at the deadline for Jeff Petrie and, and, and Tomas Tatar and you get assets back for that, this summer could be a, a big, big period for the Montreal Canadiens. At least that's what I'm hoping they're going to do. But as we've seen, the Montreal Canadiens haven't always been willing to make those sorts of tough decisions. And I understand that with a year of control left for both of those guys, it's, it's, a, tough, it's a tough thing to sell but it might be the best case scenario. So to, to follow this and um, I, I agree with you, by the way, um, you have to believe that your team uh, constituted as it was, uh, you know, from the start of the season was not good enough. Uh, some will counter that with the fact saying, you know, no, this is a lost season only because of injuries. Um, that's just, that's just false. Uh, it's silly. Um, actually, when you look at 
um, certainly the Canadians have had uh, uh, more, have been affected more by injuries this season than last season. Uh, But when you look at the the NHL, the Canadians are uh, 16th in man games lost to injury. Uh, They're middle of the pack. When you look at the dollar value of the contracts uh, of the players lost to injury, they're mid midway. So that means that for other teams, there are more injury games lost and they're more significant players lost to injury. Uh, So it's, it's not correct to blame this, this season or the Canadians position as, as right now, 24th overall in the NHL. Uh, a lost season to injury. And if you look at it in particular, um, you know, the Gallagher and Armia, those were big impact uh, injuries. But at when those players were lost, the Canadians were already out of a playoff spot. The two yeah. uh, that were lost when they were in a playoff spot were Byron and Duran. Uh, Byron, non-factor. He wasn't playing well, fourth liner. Uh, Duran was the only one, and his success came his, his the great amount of his success came um, when he was on the third line this season. Um, yeah. So you're saying that removing um, a, a top nine player uh, has drastically affected the playoff chances. If that's what your argument is, then the team was never good enough in the first place. The depth just wasn't there because injuries are a part of the game. So yeah. setting that, that argument aside, um, you know, as you go through and you think of the names, and there's not only those on um, on the Montreal Canadiens roster, but there's all those contracts that were have been ditched uh, in Laval um, that you'd you'd want to clear out. Ideally, um, not only to make room for, as you said, the trades and and free agent acquisitions, but to clear a path for the the young talent uh, who are yeah. able to then to get the the type of minutes that that uh, they need to develop. And, and certainly that's happening. It's clear as day that that's happening in Laval, Laval now pushing for a playoff spot. So all of those folks with NHL experience are getting played nonstop, whether it's Willette or Alsner or Olofsson um, and on and on and on. Um, and, and jeopardizing the, the development of a Josh Brook. And, and there's, there's other examples as well. Um, Lucas yeah. Um, um, so ideally you'd want to be getting rid of, um, you know, the, the Carl Alsner's, the, the Xavier Willett's, the, the Matthew Pekka's, the Charles Houdon, Charles Houdon, give him a chance, uh, in another organization. We know yeah. he's not going to get that chance here. Um, how about goaltending? Um, give Michael McNiven another chance if you've, if um, you know, you're you're not going to give it to him in the organization. And then you look at the folks uh, with the Canadians, a, a player like Dale Weiss, uh, uh, Nick Cousins, Jordan Wheel, and Nate, Nate Thompson is ideal um, to be traded. But what's the market out there? Um, and and I think with 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 uh, Nate Thompson. Um, you know, Philadelphia has has been mentioned as a possible destination for him. Um, you'd look at a Marco Scandella, who's a, a UFA at the end of the year. Um, maybe there's there's uh, someone looking for him. And absolutely, 100%, you have to trade Ilya Kovalchuk. You have yeah. to. Um, you've come out of this... Um, what could have been, you know, uh, uh, well, they've come, the organization's come out smelling like a rose. Some of it 
with just good fortune that he's playing well offensively, not playing well defensively at all. Yeah. Uh, no. And and we'd be looking at that more if if the Canadians were actually in a serious uh, serious contention for a playoff spot. But but that's fine. Sell that, uh, you know, um, sell that to a playoff bound team. And Boston looks like a, a good fit as as much as you don't want to trade with Boston. Uh, Kovalchuk <laughs> looks like a good fit for Boston. They had interest, yeah. uh, a, a longstanding did, interest yeah. in him. Um, you look at, uh, you mentioned um, the more difficult decisions um, like Thomas Tatar, like Jeff Petrie, maybe even Victor Manta. Um, uh, Thomas Tatar, um, you look at at Pittsburgh, uh, they would be interested in a Thomas Tatar. Columbus, uh, Edmonton, um, who are looking for a, 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 an impact forward? Could you could you in some sort of package uh, pry Poliarvi out of out of Edmonton? Um, we don't know. These are these play and and both Tatar and and Petrie, as you said, uh, they have a year and a half left. Are you going to at the end of that year and a half? Are you going to sign them to a big contract? Is it worth it? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Now's the time to be able to maximize those values. Petrie Vegas has a has uh would love to have Jeff Petrie uh as an upgrade on their blue line. Um th- these are these are 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 decisions that are difficult for fans to accept. Um they've fallen in love with with uh Ilya Kovalchuk and and who can blame him? Um you know that was one yeah. of the risks is is he would enchant the fan base. Yeah. Um and he <laughs> has and and why not? He has. Yeah. Um so but use that don't fall yeah. into the trap uh, that the Canadians did, uh, as they did with Antiniemi, and he he put together. They were very fortunate uh, that he put together some performances, and instead of of uh, saying thank you and letting him go, they re-signed him, and it was a disaster after that. And then followed with Keith Kincaid. Uh, but but here's the opportunity to make smart hockey decisions, uh, and you have to do that. You just have to. Yeah. Nate Thompson. Ilya Kovalchuk, uh, Scandella. I know there's the the local connection there, and and he has some some um, uh, allure, um, particular to the the Montreal media. But um, you you have to make these decisions if you're going to progress as a as a an organization towards a championship. And please, whatever you can do to clear the logjam for the uh, for the the prospects, uh, free up that fourth line center spot for Ryan Paling and get him back playing at center. Uh, free up some spots in Laval so that so that uh, the the prospects are getting uh, uh, development time. Um, that's that's the smart decision. There's there's one month to do it. As as it's January 25th, we're now that the the trade deadline's February 24th. We're less than a month away. Um, yeah. We want to see some of these moves start happening. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, it's it's the time to take some risks here. You're you've got an aging two you got two aging pieces that are still viewed as, as being the best at what they do. You mentioned, I mean, there there are pieces down in Laval that are not getting the opportunity to play because there's a glut of these NHL contracts. You have guys like Nick Cousins and and Tomas Tatar that or Tom uh, excuse me Nick Cousins and Nate Thompson excuse me that are taking away spots on the fourth line and the, in the bottom six forward spots from these young guys. And then that's had the impact down in Laval as well with 
Charles Rodon. It's it's time that you start to take some risks here and, and, and really start to think about what it is that you want to accomplish. Because the other day, Shea Weber talked about the goal being to win a Stanley Cup. He came here to do that, and he wants to do that. And there are many people in the NHL, his peers, that think that he is still a dominant enough force to do that. Carey Price, everyone wants Carey Price in their net in a Game 7. 33% of players polled wanted him in their net in a Game 7 to win a Stanley Cup. And he deserves to be in that spot. So do what you can to get there. And really, I mean, if you look at this offseason, if the Montreal Canadiens are not active, not active in the trade market and free agency, then you're just wasting more time. And I think that this all starts at the trade deadline. Their activity level, I think, at in the offseason is going to be foretold by what they do at the trade deadline, because that's going to be the, you know, you want to stockpile as much as you can and, and potentially be out there in the offseason making some some big moves. Um, and, and that's really the only path right now that the Montreal Canadiens have to a championship for these two guys who definitely deserve it, um, given what they've they've given to this organization. But uh, with all that said, we're going to turn it over to the lovely audience in the third segment when we ask which Habs players will likely be moved before the NHL trade deadline. We're going to get to some of the responses to that question after just a quick break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. Stay with us here on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fanning. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHab when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHab.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. And we're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. And we have uh, some responses here 
to the question of the week, which is which Habs players will likely be moved before the NHL trade deadline. And uh, we'll start off with Twitter. And I think we've got some really interesting answers here. We have uh, Freddie who says he thinks that trading Thompson is a lock. He thinks it's likely they move Kovalchuk. And who they should move, he believes, is Tatar, capitalize on the value and the depth in the organization at left wing. Scandella, who, as you mentioned, is a pending uh, UFA. And who they should explore the market on, Petrie. He's going to be 34 when he hits the unrestricted free agent market. He is a long-term, is he a long-term core piece, he asks? Is it smart to sign him at big money at 34 years old? And I think that those are all valid questions. As you pointed out, they're not going to be, you know, at the, uh, you might get them right now at, at their peak. If you trade them right now, this might be the peak of their value. And, and for both Tatar and for Petrie, and I think Freddie makes some really good points there. Uh, you have Samuel Gerber who says, really think someone overpays for Jeff Petrie to the point the Habs can't say no. Many teams will call and start to outbid each other, including two divisional rivals. So that's that's a really uh, that's a nice prediction there from Sam. I think that that is that, I think that's dead on. I think that there will be a team to overpay for Jeff Petrie, given the fact that he is a mobile defenseman, a right shot defenseman, which outside the Montreal Canadiens are a commodity, believe it or not. Even though it seems like the Montreal Canadiens can't find a left shot defenseman to save their life, but. Uh, <laughs> And then uh, Matt Smith says, as illustrated by the photo attached to this post, Nate Thompson would likely uh, attract many playoff-bound teams as a a veteran presence uh, that can be relied upon to fill the bottom six role and kill penalties. And uh, our friend Chris G, who filled in so wonderfully last week for me, uh, I think Kovalchuk and Thompson will definitely be traded. I wouldn't be surprised if Wheel is moved as well. So, yeah, like we said, there's a lot of these one-year deals for guys, Cousins, Wheel, um, you know, that, that you could potentially move on from at the trade deadline as, as rental pieces for teams that have some playoff aspirations. But uh, that was Twitter. So uh, what's Facebook saying? Well, Facebook, and it seems uh, this was the case last week. Um, so the question, as, as you said, uh, Canadians Connection question of the week, which Habs players will likely be moved before the NHL trade deadline? And much of the focus is on moving Mark Bergevin. Um, Mar- <laughs> Marvin Evans says, move on from the coach and lousy GM. Uh, Ron uh, Kugler says, I hope they move the GM. Uh, Charlie uh, Guindon says, first is uh, Michael Bergevin. Uh, well, it's actually Mark. Uh, should have been gone over a year ago, in my opinion. Uh, and he goes on. Uh, oh, oh, uh, Doug Cooney says, please, God, help Mark Bergevin exit uh, what was the greatest team in professional sports. Um, yeah, that's pretty tough. Um, Emily Sinclair says, uh, hang on to the players, just trade Mark Bergevin. Um, <laughs> so it goes on. They seem yeah. rather, rather united on this. But as far as, as player advice, um, we have this one from Charlie who says, with any luck, Petrie would be my first move, then Sherratt, Druan, and Thompson. Um, let me find a couple of more here. Uh, Nate, uh, Bob Kyler says, Nate Thompson and Ilya Kovalchuk. Um, Francis Menard says, Kovalchuk, Petrie, Tatar, Thompson, Wheel, and Cousins. So, um, wow. uh, essentially so <laughs> agreeing with, uh, with that list that, uh, that you mentioned earlier. 
Yeah, and I mean, well, it's first of all, it's not necessarily surprising that everyone at this point is saying to get rid of Mark Bergevin because even last year, the questions of the week would often say get rid of Mark Bergevin. So now we're at probably, you know, uh, last season was a bit of a of a high, and this year, it's been uh, not not many highs for the Montreal Canadiens this year. So uh, yeah, easy to imagine why there's this level of frustration with Mark Bergevin. But yeah, to all those points, I mean, I think that you could get as much get as much as you can for those guys. You sign them to one-year deals, you caught lightning in a bottle with Ilya Kovalchuk over the last little bit with in terms of his production offensively. If you can shift that off to another team and you get something for signing him when no one else wanted him, then cool. You you get that asset, you get to keep that or you get to trade it. Do whatever you want with it, but just get as much as you can for the guys that you have on these one-year deals and I believe Tomas Tatar and Jeff Petrie as some of those guys, uh, some people pointed out as well. I think that that would be a really good course of action uh, for the Montreal Canadiens. And, uh, well, well, we'll have to wait and see another, as you said, less than a month now until the uh, trade deadline. And it's always a really fun time of year and one that I always hope the Montreal Canadiens will be active, either as buyers or sellers. And in this case, I would like them to uh, to sell off some of these pieces and, and maximize those assets. But uh yeah, and, it's, and let it's me just going to be let fun. me just add to that point because I think there's some um, impression by the the uh, the Montreal Canadiens management, particularly the marketing folks, that um, if Mark Bergevin were going were, would sell all those assets, that it would empty the Bell Center and that um, you know the fans would would lose interest. I think we're seeing, uh, particularly from from the responses from those diehard fans and, and our, our, our community that this would excite the, the, the Habs fans. This would excite, yep. get rid of Kovalchuk and, and Thompson and wheel and cousins. Fans are smart enough. They know what that means. They know exactly what that means. And that builds excitement. Um, I think it's exactly the opposite of what the Canadians marketing folks uh, have in their mind. And as we were talking about through the break, I, I think that there's also the impression that, oh, well, that would that would make Price and Weber make them wonder if you're trying to lose on purpose and tanking and that wouldn't work with, with their, where they are at in their careers. I think they would understand it, too, as we were talking about through the break. I think that they would understand it. I think most anyone would understand why the Montreal Canadiens would be doing what they're doing. And uh, if you are able to convince those guys that this is all in an effort to be a little bit more flexible come this offseason, I think that they'll be completely on board with it. So um, I think that this is the situation the Montreal Canadiens are in. And I mean, if you don't like where they're at, well, you can kind of look at the last number of off seasons where they haven't really done a whole lot to improve their team. Um, and uh, this is kind of the, the, the point where you have to make those tough decisions now. Um, and Tomas Tatar, by the way, if you were to get anything for Tomas Tatar after he was just kind of the guy that was thrown in as the contract to make the deal work, and Vegas didn't really use him when they had him in the playoff run. If you're to get something of value for Tomas Tatar, I think you take that and run as well. I think that's the other part of it that doesn't really get a whole lot of attention. But anyways, uh, Rick, you are on your way to Binghamton tonight to uh, cover the Laval Rocket before the AHL All-Star break, and uh, it's going to be going to be an interesting night. Uh, Keith Kincaid had a bit of a rough one last night, but uh, looking to bounce back for the Laval Rocket tonight in uh, in Binghamton. Tough game in Rochester last night uh, for Keith Kincaid and the Rocket. They lost to uh, the Rochester Americans 5-2. Uh, as I said, they're they're right on the 
the edge of playoff contention. Um, they're taking on um, the Binghamton Devils tonight uh, below them in the standings, but uh, who've had uh, a, a recent resurgent and actually, resurgence and actually went on an eight-game winning streak. So it should be a good game tonight, 7.05 in Binghamton. I'm joining the AHL report team. Uh, Amy Johnson will be there. Chris is uh, – uh, in Laval, and and he'll be uh, he'll be monitoring the game as well. So look on AHL on the AHL report on Twitter for um, uh, game uh, updates, and then later on AHL report or AHL report dot com. You can get there either way uh, for the game recap, and uh, that should be and and as you said, then um, uh, tomorrow and uh, Monday for the AHL, it will be their turn to uh, get involved with the All Star festivities. And uh, as you said, it should be a great game tonight and great coverage from the AHL report team, as always. And, yeah, certainly uh, look out for that uh, game recap. Um, but, yeah, so we'll uh, we'll say goodbye for now for this week. And uh, next week we'll have some actual hockey games to talk about, which will be fun, uh, just as opposed to the one that we had this week. Uh, but, yeah, so you can uh, you can search for Rocket Sports Radio on all of your favorite podcasting platforms, Overcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and Google Play. And, uh, yeah, you get this podcast and the From the Press Box podcast. And uh, we are very proud to have two podcasts that uh, are run by journalism, uh, journalists. excuse me. Uh, and uh, we'll be back next week at 1 p.m. Eastern. That is 2.30 Newfoundland time discussing all things Montreal Canadiens as it pertains to hockey games, maybe trade conversations. Again, we're going to be another week further, a week closer to the trade deadline. So that's going to be a fun a conversation to have and who knows maybe the Montreal Canadiens rattle off a couple more wins uh, riding high uh, as they went into the uh, bye week so we'll be back next week discussing all of those things thank you for tuning in to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio for the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens follow us on Twitter at Habs Connection and visit allhabs.net